0: This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. I'll
1: tell you what, I just, I can't make heads or tails of the college football playoff anymore, and it's just absolutely absurd what's going on. It's Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio on Sirius XM Channel 80. Joseph Anthony Aloysius Fortenbaugh, the ninth. What's up? Big night. Big night for me. Um, Got to the
2: airport yesterday to fly home. Was immediately informed that the first leg of the flight was going to be delayed to the point where the second leg could not be made. I started to panic. We work for a company in which you get a text that says, do you need help? You type the letter Y in for yes. You immediately get a phone call. Gentleman on the other end of the phone cleans up everything. Switches airlines, switches flights, gets me on something that lands in Vegas within 20 minutes of my original time. I caught the all-time break last night. And while that happened, the Celtics won by enough points to win their region in the in-season tournament, cashing that bet for us. So feeling good today. How
1: about you? Now I'm feeling worse. Because I just... I, You're I, rooting against I, me? I, no. As you know, I have been uh, had some travel issues the last few weeks. Mm. I got no such text. No oh. such text.
2: Oh. This is that awkward conversation where we have to start talking about hierarchy at the company, don't we?
1: Apparently so. Well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think we might be able to agree. We might be better off not having the conversation, <laughs> I think, okay. well, I think it's just the people you Well, now that we got that little balloon floating out there right now to start the, the people show. Your, it's, that's the people you booked through. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that just You laid that up there, and I was like, oh, this is such a great opportunity uh, to say something ridiculous. <laughs> that's it for me. Let's go get some lunch.
1: 888-SAY-ESPN, <laughs> uh, 888-729-3776. That is the Carlin versus Joe Nation Dr. Pepper, call in number, and we need you to be a part of the program by calling 888-729-3776 on the college football playoff. ESPN Nation presented by Dr. Pepper. It's not college football season without the delicious taste of an ice cold Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. Joseph, what are we doing? What, what are we doing? I am sitting, and, and we, I want to be clear. I shouldn't flip out too much right now about what's going on because a lot can really solve itself this weekend. And I disagree. We, lose your mind right now, please. Okay, then I will. What are we doing? How is Alabama sitting at eighth right now? <laughs> and then you've got Ohio State at sixth. They fall from two to six. They lose a one-score game on the road to the team that played absolutely nobody. And now i got to sit here and watch a Florida State team potentially next week in a college football playoff go out there and lose 80-7 to seven to Georgia in a few weeks because, as we saw last year, the same thing happened at TCU. Florida State's got a backup quarterback. They got no chance. They barely survived this past weekend. If they eke one out against Louisville in the ACC championship game, then I'm stuck watching Florida State, which is not, at this point, one of the four best teams in the country. All right. All right.
2: Listen, I I can take you through this but we got to go one at a time. You can't just unload every single grievance you have with the rankings These in one shot and I solve all those problems
1: for you. I can solve goes. them. I can solve them one by one but you got to let me know where you want to begin. Which no, problem? You, just just what, begin. Just begin while I gather myself. You started with
2: Alabama sitting at 8th and you feel that that's too low just to be clear. I do. Okay. I'm not worried at all about Alabama. You beat Georgia, you're in. Now, I know there's some commentary to the other side of that equation, but here's how this works. They're sitting at eight. They need to get to the top four. They need to get past four teams. If you beat Georgia, you move past Georgia. That's how that works. So Georgia's out. The loser of the Oregon-Washington game is going to end up dropping behind you as well there. Either Oregon has two losses or Washington has one loss, but their credibility won't be as great as yours because you just beat Georgia. So that's number two. Number three, you'll vault right past Ohio State because they're not playing this weekend. And your record, now having a win over Georgia, a team that hasn't lost, what, 28 straight? They've got going two national titles. You will move past them, which means there's one more spot you need to climb up. And I think ultimately you can slide right past a team like Florida state who's undefeated. You can't give me Florida state's pedigree. You can't give me Florida state's quarterback situation and an undefeated record and tell me, yeah, because they're undefeated, we're going to put them in over Bama. They're not better than Bama. No bookmaker would list Florida state as a favorite on a neutral field in that situation. That would be insane. And on top of that, I used to watch teams like Boise State for years go undefeated and not even get a sniff at things like this. So, yeah, I understand Florida State is a Power 5 team, but that was not much of a Power 5 conference this year. Sorry, ACC. It's your own damn fault. Yeah. Listen,
1: let, let's start. Let's just start on the Alabama front, okay? We just did. I, well, no, but I mean, from the standpoint that you took it, that no matter what happens, if Alabama beats Georgia – that they will definitively be in. Can people we really are trying say to say that that's not definitive. Oh, I thought you were saying at the beginning that it
2: is. I am saying that. I'm saying there are other people out there who, a win over Georgia,
1: they're saying that does not assure them a spot in the top four. And that's what I'm saying right now. Are you, you are in agreement with those people. I, I'm in agreement that that's the case, but it shouldn't be the case. It's just like, it like sounds me, like you're playing both sides of the equation. No no, 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 no. The no. old Carlin can't lose. no. if Al- <laughs> trust me, I'll let you know when that happens The old CCL if-, <laughs> <laughs> if Alabama beats Georgia, no matter where their rankings were, they should be in the top four. I'm not convinced that's going to happen because if the other because if, if we're talking right now about what this looks like, and I've got Michigan. Washington, Florida State, Oregon. You know, like uh, Washington, Oregon, loser, I understand. That's out. Then I've got Ohio State and Texas in front of them. How exactly am I absolutely going to get Alabama in that group just because they beat Georgia at that point when they're ranked eighth right now? Now, to me, how this needs to be done is I understand they're keeping us kind of abreast of how the situation is unfolding as they are evaluating things, right? Mm-hmm. We get to next week, and Alabama is not in the top four if they have beaten Georgia, which I am not convinced is going to happen. Dear God, something is horribly wrong. Like I don't if think I, we need to get Are you telling me that? we are definitively not ending up with a playoff that could have Michigan, uh, you know, if Washington wins again, Florida State and Texas— we're de- we're Florida State and Ohio State, we're not going to end up with a Pac-12 champion, a Big Ten champion, the ACC champion, and then Texas, the way this is playing out right now. Because if we're supposed to be getting a look inside their minds at the moment, that's what they're trying to tell us. I'm not. I'm, I don't think we, there are a lot of things we can
2: slice here. I think the Florida State angle is intriguing, the most intriguing. If Bama beats Georgia, there's no more big game hunting than that win. That team hasn't lost in years. They're two-time defending champs. You beat them in the SEC championship game – no one's got a bigger notch on the bedpost than that one right there. And you go through Alabama. um, They've also got wins over number 11, Ole Miss number 13, LSU uh, number 21, Tennessee. Like, what are we doing here? I don't think we need to worry about that. You can leapfrog them past FSU and only FSU is going to complain. There'll be a couple people that'll say, well, it's an undefeated season. Again, I watched Boise state go undefeated year after year and not get a sniff at this thing. I don't care. FSU, The the thing you need here, what's the prove-it win you have? There are prove-it games on the calendar this time of year that can make or break you. The SEC championship game is one of those. Michigan versus Ohio State is a prove-it game when the two teams go in undefeated. Ohio State lost that game. I don't care where you want to rank Ohio State. They're not in the playoff. They're done. They had their big prove-it game. It was a close loss on the road. I get it. You're out of the equation now. I don't want to hear from you. Washington and Oregon have a big prove-it game this weekend. Florida State has no prove-it games. The LSU win looked pretty good early in the season, and then LSU was... You know, they found their way back, so it's decent, but the Clemson win isn't all that impressive. The Miami win isn't impressive. Beating Louisville, Louisville's good. Brahms' done a really nice job with them, but they're not a great team to the point where you're going to put them in over Bama. Let's just, this is why an odds maker, a legitimate odds maker, should be on the committee. There is no legitimate odds maker in the world who would make Florida State a favorite on a
1: neutral over Alabama.
2: And that's all I need to know. When it comes well, to I'll who the better else. team
1: is. Yeah, and I'll tell you what else. Having said that, like we talked about this before the show, I don't care who the number one team is. If Florida State is the number four team, Joe, I will guarantee that whoever the number one team would be that would be playing them would be a double-digit favorite. Oh, yeah. Georgia-Florida State is probably Georgia minus 13. Maybe yeah. it's two touchdowns. Yeah. At Might the be back two touchdowns, absolutely. I think, I think if it was Georgia, it's minimum two touchdowns. I think if it's Michigan, it's at least ten points. At least, I don't see any of those other teams that are right in front of Florida State that that if somehow one of them was at number one, that they would not be double digit favorites. And frankly, I mean, I, I could argue. Let's just for argument's sake, like there are teams below them. Even even if Ohio State even as you ever said ever even got back into the conversation, I would say they would have been double digit favorites over them. Like, to me, and I know I'm all over the place with this right now, but this is why it frustrates me so much. I am just praying that this weekend we have clarification and that next week we end up with the four best teams playing for the championship. Joe, right now? I have zero confidence that's going to happen. Oh, they've done such a good job in the past. They've had years where they've
2: slid teams in the four that have caused a ton of chaos, and then the four team goes on and wins. Cardale Jones uh, having to step in for Ohio State, they went on to win the title. I think there was a year Bama got put in as a four, and everyone complained, and then and then Bama won the title. Like we're good. The committee has done. See you, man. The committee has done a good job. They've done a very good job over the years. Have they been perfect? Probably not. But I think we can rest assured that they're going to give us a very solid top four based on what we end up seeing after this weekend. I feel very confident in that.
1: Carla versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance, and we are just getting it going. We will open the lines to you for your opportunity to chime in on this at 888 espn 888729 3776 to Dr. Pepper Call-In-Line. How do you feel like this is playing out right now? Are we going to have the four best teams next week playing for the championship or at least a shot at it? It's Carlin versus Joe. And in the NFL, it's so much easier for one team to grab the number one seed in the NFC. We'll get to that in moments on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app.
0: This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio.
1: I don't know that i've ever been more
0: impressed with jack prescott what i say to myself is i really I haven't done shit. he's become one of my favorite quarterbacks to watch in the last four or five weeks i've gotten to see more of, of their games and i just want to say he's playing a position in a really impressive way you beat the seahawks eagles
2: bills dolphins and lions each of the next five weeks you're gonna go on and you're gonna win your division you're gonna go on and possibly grab a number one seed you're gonna have an mvp candidacy
1: I, I love everything that Dak has been saying lately. I really do. And, and not even lately. I mean, Dak has always handled himself like a professional. But I get a little bit frustrated at some notions of things that, like, oh, I don't know, the owner throws out there. It's Carla versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Joseph, I, I want you to listen to this from Jerry Jones yesterday on 105.3 The Fan uh, on his weekly radio show talking about the idea of the Cowboys potentially looking ahead beyond the Seahawks tomorrow night and to the Eagles next week.
3: The team, the players, they've got to focus on who they're in front of out here thirsty. And the stretch is just that. It's important to have what's all on top of thinking about what if. But the real deal is how. How do you look at it? You have to look at it over executing on thirsty. And I promise you right now, those players don't have anything on their mind about the next game. They're studying every move they make in front of them, getting themselves ready. That's the way you have to approach. If you let your mind wander ahead and look at a Philadelphia or look at anybody way ahead. Uh, you'll have a Arizona on your hands, which we lost that game, of course.
1: Do you feel like this was really going to be an issue? I mean, like, could, are, are the Cowboys that immature of a team? that that could really be a problem at this point? No, I think what ends up happening
2: is that you know you have Philadelphia on deck. You think about the fact that Philadelphia is on deck, but it doesn't consume you to the point where it becomes a distraction because you understand what you're chasing here. You've had three wins, and I think when Jerry references the Arizona loss earlier in the season, that's the ultimate beacon for Mike McCarthy to point to at every turn and say, we can't have another one of these. That cost us. We're trying to make up ground because we couldn't get past a team like Arizona. Arizona now if McCarthy's a good coach he's doing that if they've let that game go and they don't talk about it anymore that's a problem in my opinion because that's how you get people zeroed in but it's a national spotlight game it's a standalone game on a Thursday night it's Seattle who's a playoff team at the moment I wouldn't think that the Cowboys would have much of an issue getting ready for this because it's not like they're going to have a quick turnaround it's not like playing a Monday night game and then having to get ready for a big matchup on Sunday. You got 10 days off after this. So I really don't think there's much of an issue here in terms of looking ahead to Philadelphia.
1: Yeah, this is the thing. Like, if there was, all right, maybe maybe it's Jerry kind of double delivering the message, especially to McCarthy after what happened yeah. with, the, with the Cardinals earlier this year. But, like, to me, if that if that's something that we're legitimately worried about, If I'm the Cowboys, like, what are we doing? I think that happens
2: more in college football. I think you have the look-ahead spots and the flat Mm -hmm. spots after the big wins in college football. Like, Oklahoma State beat Oklahoma and then completely laid an egg the following week against Central Florida. Like that, you could see and smell that coming from a mile away. In the
1: pros, I don't know if they necessarily have the look-ahead spot as dramatically as we see in college football. Okay, but let's look at this for a second from this perspective. The Cowboys' opportunity here to beat the eagles next week is really i I think something that they haven't been in this position in a long time for where they have all of these advantages stacking up for them we get the eagles who had buffalo this past week then san francisco this coming week uh and they were coming off the short week the week before correct um so they had this uh little bit less rest getting ready for Buffalo this past week. Yeah, it was and, short week,
2: Kansas City, Monday night right. on the road. Quick turnaround for the home matchup against the Bills. Now the very physical home matchup against exactly. the Niners. And we know the history of what happens when you come off the Niners game.
1: And, and the Cowboys, in turn, have these 10 days off. Right? So you have a golden opportunity sitting right in front of you when you go just take care of your business tomorrow night. That. <laughs> This is why even even the discussion here about it, even Jerry having to acknowledge it. Like, I almost want to hear Jerry just say, no, that's not a thing and move on. And I, maybe I'm making too much of that. That's fine. But if you're the Cowboys and that's even something that enters my mind, it tells me so much about what you are, I worry about their ability to win big games and big situations. I don't care that they went and pounded Washington last week, forty-five to ten. Good for them. They know what the knock is against them. Dak has talked about what the knock is against them. You don't beat good teams. You can, but I hate the cliche of you only beat who's in front of you. Like there shouldn't be even an acknowledgement of this potentially being an issue.
2: Well, no. I mean, you only beat who's in front of you, sure. There was a moment San Francisco was in front of you. You got blown out. There was yeah. a moment Philly was in front of you. You blew the game late. So, yeah, you're beating who's in front of you, but you're also losing to who's in front of you. Let me. I, I got a look-ahead line for you. Dallas, Philadelphia next week. I got a point spread. What do you think okay. it is? Dallas, Philadelphia
1: next week. You can that bet it is... right now. You can bet this right now. It's a look-ahead line. The game is in Dallas, correct? Correct. Big D, as they say. I w- thank you. Old
2: Big D. Uh, <laughs> Eagles minus two. Interesting. It is actually
1: Cowboys minus two. Wow. Cowboys minus two. Remember, well, again, I should home. have factored in more. I didn't factor in that physicality factor leading into it. Well,
2: you there's know? that. There's the, the 10-day layoff, I think, is the most important thing here. Yeah. It's the, it's the 10-day layoff because you're going to play Thursday against Seattle, and then you have time to rest the body. You have time to take some time off, and then you get back to work with no travel to get ready for Philadelphia, who... You know, we look at the run they're currently on, the Monday nighter against Kansas City, the Buffalo game, now the Niner game. It's a quick turnaround on the road. So Dallas is going to be favored there, but they're not favored by the full three, which tells
1: you everything you need to know about who the bookmakers think is the better team overall. Carla versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. With all of this in mind, with this kind of road that the Eagles currently have, even though they are sitting there, uh, with just one loss on the season. Is it a foregone conclusion right now in your mind that the Eagles are in the number one seed?
2: No, no, certainly not a foregone conclusion. No way. Because of this game, and I could... They did a great job getting past Kansas City and Buffalo. They've done this all year long. And it's not going to surprise me if they find a way past San Francisco and, and Dallas. But it's not going to be the most surprising thing either if they lose to the Niners this weekend and then lose to the Cowboys the following weekend. And yeah. then that changes things. It changes things. It doesn't mean they can't win the number one seed, but not a foregone conclusion by any stretch of the imagination. The one thing I would throw in there, I'm not really going to take Detroit all that seriously anymore. My position no, has changed on them. You go out on Thanksgiving and look like that. I know I'm not supposed to wait one game that much more than the others. Lions can beat it. That game was pathetic. And Joe, not only that, look at the defense the last couple of games. Defense has stunk oh, three straight games. Terrible. Defense stinks. Uh, golf turning the ball over like crazy, not organized. These slow starts where they come out and they turn the ball over and they make these mistakes and they give up big plays, they can beat it. They are not in the hierarchy of NFC championship contender. I'm going to give you the Niners. I'm going to give you the Eagles. And I'm I'm going to dance around the idea of Dallas being in there to contend, although I wouldn't bet that they win the NFC. But Detroit, it's, it's, it's one year away. It's one year away. You got to clean some of this stuff up. Too sloppy too sloppy to be a team that can win the nfc
1: niners are the only team i i still maybe it's unfair call me unfair i still think the niners are the only team that could truly pass the eagles for the number one seed. yeah i think well I think that's yeah, they got to make up two games there they got to win this game yes this they have to win first. this week and make up another game yeah but it, you know you make up another game okay you know then then it's just you got the tiebreaker there. And ready to go. So Niners, Niners, Eagles, does the one seed determine who wins that game? Does home field determine that? Put it this way. I don't think San Francisco would win in Philadelphia. I think there's a chance Philadelphia could win in San Francisco. Okay. okay I put that well chance said. at about twenty five percent. All right. All right, well done. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN radio. Thank you. That's very nice of you <laughs> Can the Cowboys actually do this? Can they actually win out and get home field in the NFC playoffs? That's next. After Joe tells you about this from our friends at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Ah, yes.
2: Did you know one in four car batteries is weak and needs to be replaced? One in four, that's 25%. Well, O'Reilly Auto Parts will test your battery, get this, free of charge. If your battery needs to be replaced, their professional parts people can help you find the best superstar battery for your vehicle and for your budget. Make sure your vehicle is ready for the weather ahead by getting your battery tested for free at O'Reilly Auto Parts.
0: This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Being be
3: at least top 10. We all believe in Dak Prescott. Prescott.
0: Dak Prescott. The thing that impressed me most about Prescott was his leadership. I just want to be great. That's what I do each and every day, to take another step to being that.
1: He's certainly stating his case. There's no getting around that. It's Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, series 6M Channel 80. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance. Visit Progressive.com. We welcome in Andrew Hawkins right now, ESPN NFL analyst. And Hawk, let's just start here. The Cowboys have won 13 straight home games. So are they a legitimate consideration to still get to the number one seed in your mind in the NFC?
3: I think they are a legitimate consideration, but obviously this next stretch of six games is going to determine that. That's No-duh answer, but it's in the, in the vein less of just, like, obviously overall record, but they're a hot team. Um, they've been playing against some really advantageous uh, opponents, right? And they can only play those on their schedule in one vein, absolutely, but the true test is always when it's good on good, and that's what they're going to get over the next stretches of the six games
2: all right speaking of good on good elsewhere in the nfc this weekend san francisco and philadelphia meet in a rematch of last year's nfc championship game on one hand what the eagles have been doing this season can be argued is very impressive they're 10 and 1 and all of these close wins like kansas city and buffalo they find a way to pull it out late on the other hand some make the case that maybe the eagles are playing with fire a little bit here and eventually they're going to get burned how do you see it with this philadelphia team
3: uh, I, 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 I consider it the former. I think it's actually an attribute that they've been winning football games the way that they have because it's really hard to win in the NFL, no matter you know what the scenario is, especially to come back. And I think what they're doing is they are building um, the muscle of resiliency where they go into these games and they're able to win at such a high rate because they believe they can, despite what happens in the first two, three quarters, offense sputtering or defensive secondary, not what it needs to be. That last game, where everybody had to contribute for that win, from Bradbury to Elliott to Kelsey to Hertz, I think, like, I get the perspective of, man, those are, you know, it gets your blood pressure going if you're an Eagles fan. But on the other hand, they're just a really tough team to beat in the critical moments because everybody is expecting to make the winning play. And when you have an entire team with that mentality, that gets really scary late in the season and into the playoffs.
1: Okay, but with that in mind, it's Andrew Hawkins, ESPN NFL analyst. The 49ers are healthy now. So who's the best team in the NFC? Is it strictly the Eagles based on their record?
3: I I give it to the Eagles. I mean, obviously we'll find out between those two teams this weekend, but I give it to the Eagles for the exact reason we just talked about. I think they're just battle-tested. I think they have a a hunger to them. Jalen Hurts gets better as the game goes on and in critical moments, and those are – Those aren't quantifiable attributes at times, but when you're watching the game and you're in those games, you feel it. And his teammates feel it. You can feel it in the way that they talk about him. That being said, this is going to be a very, very tough week for him, and I think this is going to end up being probably the best regular season matchup that we have all year.
2: Tyreek Hill, Dolphins wide receiver, says this Miami team he's currently on is better than the team he won the Super Bowl with when he was in Kansas City. How crazy is that?
3: Um, probably not as crazy as it sounds. And to be honest, the reason why we even think it's crazy is because they don't have the best player on the planet, which his two thousand nineteen team did. And to be honest, that he's still the best player on the planet in Patrick Mahomes. So that's gonna be tough. It's gonna be tough for anybody who says, you know, X, you know, Y Z NBA team is better than those Jordan teams or You know, any X, Y, Z football team is better than those Patriots teams because we look at these teams through player prisms. But if you look at the numbers, the case is actually is strong. I think the offense as a whole is a better offense as far as just the systematic way that they run it. Um, But I can't make that – I can't agree because, again, Patrick Mahomes is on the field and he is the ultimate advantage in today's NFL.
1: Carlin versus Joe, Andrew Hawkins, ESPN NFL analyst, to a team that is not contending for the playoffs and just fired their head coach. What do you look at when you see Bryce Young as the biggest struggle that he has had in
3: Carolina? I would say stability of the organization. You know, and and I'm hoping that they've made this change as head coach and the coaching staff to try to get that stability, but it's something that happens with new owners, right? They're not used to turmoil They're not used to the way the NFL operates, which is, you know, hey, you kind of have to be building towards stability first and then try to fix it versus it's not like running a company where if CEO's not doing well, you can fire them in six months. It doesn't feel right organizationally. Well, let's just, you know, take off the entire organization. That's that's not how it is. So for Bryce Young's development, stability will be the, the number one thing. So I'm hoping with their next head coaching hire, they have that in mind because these are the, you know, the formidable years for him as a quarterback, and, and will literally determine what his trajectory is in the, in the league.
1: Hawk, appreciate it, man. Thanks for a few minutes.
3: My pleasure, guys. Take care.
1: Andrew Hawkins, ESPN NFL analyst. I, I know it's early, and we we all don't think it's too early to call the C.J. Stroud thing over Bryce Young clearly. I'm getting close to the Bryce Young is a bust thing. Uh, Perhaps uh, earlier than anybody ever, for me, personally. All right. Maybe it's unfair, Joe. Maybe it's unfair, but I I think it's probably the size that factors into it more than anything else. Like, if, if you're not a dynamic playmaker on the run, and you're not somebody that is reading things particularly well... It's going to lead me to that conclusion sooner rather than later. Totally understandable. I would just like to see
2: him with some semblance of an average offensive line and some semblance of average weapons around him. That's what I would like to see, because I saw Justin Fields struggle mightily early in his Chicago years. He had nothing. He had a terrible offensive line. He had no receivers to speak of, and he wasn't able to do anything. And then they got him DJ Moore, and they built up the offensive line, and the numbers got a little bit better. And now we're having the conversation about whether or not the Bears should move forward with Justin Fields. With Young... The size is certainly a concern. The injuries are going to be a concern. It's not like Carolina didn't know that coming out. Uh, It's not like all of a sudden he tricked everybody and shrunk six inches in the last few months. That was all there. But they've done nothing. They have failed as an organization to put anything around him whatsoever. And we have seen quarterbacks in that situation get ruined before. So I'm very interested in the next hire. And I'm very interested in this offseason to see what you put around him and then how he performs in that setting.
1: Speaking of ruining a quarterback, we have got breaking news on the way next concerning a superstar in this league. That is right after Joe has this from our friends at Granger.
2: I got to be honest. You got me all hot. That's right. I do. That's because it's a
1: tease. That's because it's breaking news and it's coming in moments. That's what happened right there. Don't miss See Better, Drive Safer
2: month at O'Reilly Auto Parts, which is what I'm not supposed to be reading, but the Handman sent me the O'Reilly Auto underneath the Granger Auto, and now I don't have the. Ability well, Let me tell you it. what has
1: just happened there. The Handman served you up the old screw job. Handman, what, what are you doing? I tell you what, I got it. Oh boy, I got you. I'm picking you I'm up sorry. here. I got Thank it. Thank you. I got it. Don't. He did. He did screw you. It's, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, huh? I mean, it's you know
2: what though? Responsibility. I should have read. I should have read it first and been prepared for it. That's no. That's on me. on me. No, O'Reilly. it's not.
1: Hang on here, O'Reilly. I got papers all over. Do you the actually place have
2: here? it? Because you, you 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 wrote in like the conquering hero, and then you didn't really conquer anything. Yeah, that's what I'm seeing.
1: That's exactly what happened. Because I wrote in like the conquering hero, and I didn't read it either. So you just basically you just wrote in. You conquered nothing, and you're certainly not a hero. Just a reminder, major breaking
0: news next. Yeah. (laughs) This is the Carlin vs. Joe podcast on ESPN Radio.
1: Hey, I, okay, all right. I imagine I see the rationale behind it, but I still don't. Carlin vs. Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80
0: versus Joe. Breaking news! Oh the
1: wow, New the real Jets. breaking news. The
2: real breaking news sounder.
1: Yes, I give it. it the, I, mean, I wasn't going to give it the weak one. No, this okay. is this is breaking news. Is that fair? I think it, it's it, fair. It's, it seems certainly seems that way. Yeah, the Jets have opened up the 21-day practice window on Aaron Rodgers. In other words, they have designated him to return from IR and he's got twenty-one days to be added to the official roster at that point. So he can now go and practice with the team. Okay. Uh listen, I understand. Let's get him out there. Let's, you know, chuck the ball around a little bit, all that kind of stuff. And Robert Salah says they're not going to do anything that puts him in harm's way. And he's not going to do anything, meaning Rogers is not going to do anything that puts himself in harm's way. Joseph, having said that, I'm still failing to understand what the rationale would be here in even suggesting it at this point and why you would, at four and seven, roll Aaron Rodgers onto the practice field with any kind of a chance of Hurting, not re I'm sure there's not a big chance, an increased chance of re-hurting the Achilles, but in chance of getting hurt, period, when you need him for next year. The Jets are are doing nothing. Are we of the impression
2: here that this is going to be anything other than, you know, like a limited capacity? Like, I don't see him in in a whole lot of live-action drills where guys are falling next to him and can roll up on his ankle. It strikes me as a guy who's going to be in a helmet, a jersey, and sweats— and, you know, take some snaps, do some throwing, be a part of everything, but not not be all the way apart. But you, At do, the same but you time, do that don't you with
1: want, the intent, don't you? you I, do. I, I don't
2: think so. I, th- I think he's just – my thought on this is he's going to be out there with the guys, but what's he going to do? Is he going to take all the starters reps? Like, we talk all the time about how when a backup has to step in during a game – He's had no reps during the week. Backups don't get reps. They might get a couple, but they're not out there getting the reps that the starter gets. So when they come in cold, you know, there's not a whole lot of work they get throughout the course of the season. So are we talking about giving Rodgers starters reps when you have two quarterbacks on that roster who can't play a lick week in and week out? Like if the Jets are just donking off the season and they're telling Boyle and Wilson, you guys don't even need the reps. We don't care. We're just playing for draft position. We want Rodgers to just feel his way. That's an awkward way to go about it. So, how, how many reps is he actually going to be taking out there?
1: Well, let's hear from Robert Sala himself. Ever, are you playing this from, from there or me? Is this the one on my screen? Just to be clear. All right. We are buttoned up today. Yeah. No, this is, this is, <laughs> this is all coming together last minute. Nobody's fault.
0: Is my uh, microphone
1: on? All right. I'm going to let it fly here.
0: You know, for Aaron, uh, different than, like, Hardy and Wes, where we're getting those guys ready to play. Uh, This is more – this isn't so much getting ready to play as much as it is uh, a progression in his rehab. Um, I can get in all the detail with regards to IR designations and all that and where we stand and why we're able to do this. Um, But for Aaron – uh, what he will be doing in practice is no different than what he'd be doing on field three as you guys all watch it uh, with regards to certain drills and the individual uh, being able to throw with uh, instead of throwing with staff members, he's throwing with teammates. So uh, there's no added risk to it. Um, he's not, there's certain things that he's been cleared for that we're going to uh, allow him to do.
1: Okay. So let's clarify exactly what this means. Uh, as we have the explanation, i have put it back up on the screen there for a second Um once a player returns to practice from injured reserve, it does not mean he's activated. It starts the 21 day clock for the team to activate the player. If he is not activated within the 21 day window, he's back on IR and he has to stay there for the rest of the year. So, with that in mind, okay, I, I get that. Why exactly, though, would you, is it important to do this? You know what I mean? Like, I don't get... I don't think it's really explained where the benefit of this is for Aaron. He says it's the next step in rehab, but that doesn't really feel right to me. I, here's the thing. They can tell us whatever they want right now, Joe, okay? If you are doing this because he wants to play this year, the adult in the room has to step in and say no. Say no to the guy who has been handed the keys to the organization. Let's fast forward three weeks. Rodgers is
2: saying he feels fine. None of the doctors are getting in the way saying he can't do it. He wants to play. What ends up happening? Does he play or do the Jets stop it? Oh, he's calling the shots here. Make no mistake. So if he wants to play, you see him playing. Yeah, absolutely. What's the, uh, yeah, yeah, as long as he's cleared by doctors. Right, I'm talking about all the thresholds have been met. And now it comes down to whether or not it's just the right thing to do. Okay, we're not suggesting throwing him out there because doctors have said, no, he can't play. And we go against the doctor rules. We're saying everyone has approved it. Everyone in the medical field has said you're good to go. He says, you know what? I want to give it a try. And you're telling me the Jets let him make that decision. Yeah. Then what's the
1: point of having a head coach? I, I, I agree. They, they have handed him the keys to everything. Look at the roster. Look at the players who are on it. If he wants to play this year, he is going to play this year. And it uh, this is not about re-injuring the Achilles, okay? Obviously, if the doctors are saying no, he's not going to be out there. My thought is I don't care about what happens the rest of this year. I don't care about you wanting to make sure you get back out there to prove a point that you know more than the medical world at this point, all right? And that you are Mr. Science and everybody else needs to be paying attention to you because you're a lot more enlightened to, than the rest of us because that's what it feels like. How much, yeah, I was
2: going to ask, how much of this do you think is, because we know his opinion on, we're not going to get into the politics of this, but no, it's important no. to at least note, he had a very strong opinion on the vaccine and and that became a big story. He's been outspoken about certain elements of science and medicine. Again, we're not taking a position here. We're just highlighting the fact that these things have happened. They have been said. So now he might be in a position where he could be the fastest NFL player to come back from an Achilles injury. Okay, I don't know if that's actually true, but it feels like this would be the fastest in history. So how much
1: of this would be him strictly chasing that individual mark? I think that's part of it. I don't know what other point he has to prove at this point other than he knows better than the rest of us. My thing is, if there is what we talked about earlier this week, this belief from Aaron that he owes something to the Jets, what he owes to the Jets is next year. And whether or not it's the Achilles, the dude can still go out there, get hurt again this year some other way, in a game that is immensely physical and be knocked out for all of next year. No, I can't allow that to happen. And I, I here's how I know exactly where the decision is being made. Salas is something like this uh, just a, little, a few minutes ago. Well, he's already sacrificed so much for this organization, and it's a testament to who he is. Oh, my God. Can we stop kissing up to him? Because that's all that we're doing, and he is running the show. And it's gonna it is gonna destroy that organization again again
2: it's a fun topic to discuss in this format obviously I, I um I just I don't think this is anything more than him throwing on a jersey and a helmet and going out with the guys and throwing the ball around a little bit and just kind of being a part of the practice okay listen, I, and, I and hope that's it the is. least exciting of all the options here but I think that's ultimately what we're that's gonna that's what I seeing. hope it
1: is yeah that's, that's what the I hope smart it is. Roof. But from the actions of this guy over the last couple of years, I don't trust that that's what it is. All
0: right.
1: Because, listen, he has already wanted to show you, like, without getting into all the politics of it, he has wanted to show everybody that he knows better than science. Someone has to step
0: in and stop him. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio.